You're listening to the Canadian Canacross Sports Podcast with host Sean Sobon. Join me as I explore the sport of Canacross across Ontario and North America. Now, let's haul some tail. Welcome to the Canadian Canacross Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Sobon, and uh, it's been a minute since we released an episode, and we're coming off the tail end of the snowy paw that happened on January 13th. You know, running a race in January can be kind of hit and miss because you don't really know what the weather's going to do, and uh, we had some weather considerations for the snowy paw, and I was really kind of watching the forecast. And about two nights before the race, we decided to push the start time back so everybody could kind of have safe, safer traveling conditions and allow the snow plows to hit the roads. And it turned out to be a really good decision. We still had a great turnout. It was a lot of fun. We had snow, we had wind. It was a tough course because of all the fresh snow that came down. And I really got to say that the folks at Island Lake from the Credit Valley Conservation Authority really did a great job helping uh, the vent go off well. Everything was plowed there. They even took a snowmobile and went around the course several times to try to pack down some of that some of that freshly fallen snow. So I want to thank everybody who came out to support the Snowy Paw. Uh, we were able to make a donation to the Credit Valley Conservation Authority and the Friends of Island Lake to kind of keep those trails really beautiful and nice for us. And uh, if you have an opportunity to go back in the springtime or summer, uh, there's a lot more trail that's accessible and bridges that go over the lake itself. It's one of our favorite spots to go to. So here we are in episode three of the Canadian Canada Cross Sports Podcast. And I've got a great guest with me, the owner of the Canine Cartel dog grooming business in the Niagara region and Lincoln County more specifically. And we have Genevieve Sharon. She has been a dog owner her entire life and has had dogs since she was very young. She currently has two German Shepherds, one named Arson and one named Lucky 13. To contrast that, she's also got a toy-sized three-pound chihuahua named Cartel, who's the inspiration behind the name of the Canine Cartel Dog Grooming. Genevieve, welcome to the show and thank you for being here. Yes, thank you for having me. I am super excited. Um, like I had told you before, I love educating clients, um, especially in the grooming industry. And uh, I came up with some great ideas how it can relate to Canacross. And I'm hoping to um, reach some owners and keep them educated on uh, their grooming. I really am interested to get into that kind of angle because you look at it from a from a unique lens, if you will, um, how grooming can actually impact dog performance and, and health on the Canacross trails. So uh, let's start off with how you got into Canacross because you're you're doing the sport as well and you participated in yeah. Snowy Paw Virtual. How did you first learn about Canacross? Well, it was probably last summer. I was running along the Welland Canal, um, which is near my shop, and there was a girl running with a husky. And I saw the harness the dog was wearing, and I was like, that is such a strange harness. I've never seen one before. And I was, I was looking at all the gear she had. And uh, at the time, I didn't know about Canacross or um, the harnesses they would wear. Um, so later on, I came across an article in, I believe it was uh, Canadian Running Magazine um, about a uh, Canacross event. And I was reading about that article in the sport of Canacross. And then it hit me. I was like, that's the harness that dog was wearing when I was running along the Welland Canal. My dog, she has a slap mill 
and she loves to run. So, and then I run separate from her. And I thought this would be an amazing thing if we could do this together. And as time went on and my life became a little less busy and I was able to devote more time to it and looking through different articles online, um, I went down a complete rabbit hole through Instagram links and then I came across yourself and I was like, you know what, it's time I'm going to do this. And that's when I contacted you and ordered the gear. And here we are. That's that's an interesting story. And I think it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a perfect blending of you know, you being a runner already and being a dog owner that loves to run and then kind of just happening to see that. And then, like you said, going down that rabbit hole, I think it, it really is a good mix of kind of combining your two worlds as a, as a dog is. owner and a runner. So if you are listening and you've got friends that are dog owners, you got to let them know about this sport. And even if they say they're not runners, you got to get them hooked up and to try it because it, it doesn't really matter how fast you go. If you like to race and compete, that's great. But if you like to just get out there and run with your dogs or spend time with your dogs, it's a really great way to enrich their lives and, and really increase your bond that you have with your dog. And you can can a hike and you can can a walk. You just put the word canna in front of anything that's slower than running and you've got a sport right there. So really encourage everybody to at least try this out uh, once. So as a dog groomer, like we had mentioned earlier, you kind of have a unique lens that you're looking at at Canacross. And we, we can talk about, let's start, I guess, with the, with the pads and, and dog's feet, I guess, if you will, or their paws. Um, I know for myself, like in the winter time, I use like a, like a max wax I put on their paws to just kind of help from ice and things like that. My dogs really don't do well with booty, so I don't even, don't even bother with that. But I figured kind of having like a wax on their paws is, is a extra layer of protection that they that they have but you know we also have dog nails that we have to consider and everything and and I probably don't trim their nails as often as I should I've heard in the past that it should be done weekly I really don't know what intervals are like I kind of if I hear them tip tapping on the floor I know it's time to trim them um, <laughs> but what, what are your insights there in terms of of nail trims and and paw care for dogs um, as far as nail trims go, I mean, ideally, uh, you want to try to keep on it once a month, um, every four weeks. I always tell owners do not exceed six weeks if you can help it. Personally, I do mine on a weekly basis. Um, if you can use a nail Dremel at home, um, that really helps because um, with the clippers, a lot of dogs don't like the feeling of the pressure of the nail trimmers. And if you're doing it on a weekly basis, um, you're less likely to run into the quick on the nail. And it just takes that sharp edge off the nail. So that way, if you have leather seats, hardwood floors to ruin those types of things. As far as keeping the nails short and why you want to do that and keep a good routine is because as the nails continue to grow and they get longer, the bones in the dog's foot tend to flatten. And there's three bones specifically in their foot that will really start to flatten out. So as they run and walk, um, they start to flex their feet on an irregular angle, which isn't good for their overall bone structure, their skeletal structure. Um, how they're walking it will cause a lot of dogs when I lift up their feet on my grooming table to do a nail trim I will sometimes notice that the nail on the out outer part of the paw um, on either side tend to be worn more than the others and that signals me to let the owner know 
um, to take them to the vet because they are likely walking, running, putting irregular pressure on their paws. And that can just be caused by nails being left too long. Um, you can run into nails being broken, snapped off if they're too long, which can create more problems, um, which means you won't have that time on the trail that you want to. And you, you'll have to be on the sidelines and uh, take time off to allow your dog to heal. And as far as protecting paw pads with boots, boots are great, um, whether it's winter or summer, it doesn't work for every dog. Um, the wax works great because it tends to harden in the winter. Once you go out into cold extremities, it creates a barrier between the paw pad and the salt outside and the snow. The only boots that I am not a huge fan of are the balloon boots, especially if your dog is running and they are getting um, worked and they sweat, they sweat through their paw pads. And I find the balloon boots, what they do, they harbor moisture bacteria. They're not breathable. So I have commonly seen and with some of my previous dogs that they will get paw pad infections and bacterial infections because they wear them so frequently, there is no airflow, bacteria builds up, and uh, it just creates a whole cycle of problems. If an owner was to use them, I always recommend putting cotton balls in the boots or you could use cornstarch or flour that just helps wick away any moisture um, from the paw pad and just keeps a little healthier environment uh, a lot to unpack there a lot of a lot of great advice in there so i want to kind of try to go through a little bit of that so when you say the quick in the nail is that the area where if you cut too short it's going to start to bleed Yes. So that is the blood vessel within the nail. So I recommend if you're doing any nail trimming at home, always have Quick Stop, which is the powder you can buy from a pet store. Keep that on hand at home. You pinch it between your two fingers, press it onto the nail. If you were to quick the nail, it takes away any pain, discomfort, and the bleeding immediately. Worst case, if you don't have that, you can also use flour. Flour is a great alternative if you have some in the home. Okay, that's one of the things I'm always worried about um, when I'm trimming my own dog's nails. So I, I'm also going to ask you, because you'll know the answer, um, if you let the nails grow too long, does that vein grow with the nail as well? Yes, it does. So yes. if you don't keep it trimmed back, it will grow with the nail and it will just continue a vicious cycle. And then you'll have to restart over, get on top of it again every week, taking a little bit off, a little bit off. And then if you forget about it for a few months, it's just going to grow back again with it. So it's best to stay on top of it um, as frequently as you can. I always say four to six weeks. Okay, that's that's great advice and, and good to know. Um, so you also mentioned, um, you know, infections with those balloon type boots, and I have seen those. And, you know, from a person who doesn't use booties, to me, they look like a great option because they would, you know, they're going to be waterproof and they'll, they look like they're going to stay on well. But I guess there's a lot of uh, considerations to take in, into play that I didn't really think about before. So if a dog does happen to get an infection from wearing those boots, what are some uh, telltale signs that you know you would see that, hey, I think my dog has a paw infection? Um, you definitely see, um, like you'd have an odor 
first of all, um, most likely um, a foul odor or like a yeasty type odor. Um, usually you'll start to see secretion coming through the paw pad um, deep in between the pads. You'll commonly see um, sometimes a clear liquid will begin, but especially if you see yellow green color, you know that it is quite infected. You'll see them raw, they're quite red. Um, you'll even see swelling of the paw pads. As soon as you start to see that, it's definitely um, something where you'd want to make a trip to your vet. Gotcha. Good to know. And you also mentioned, I think the most important aspect from my perspective anyways, is, is the length of the nails and how it can affect the way that their paw is, is moving or the gait of the dog. And it'll affect the bones like you had mentioned. But I, I think it would also, you know, as, as a runner, as a human runner, uh, if you have something wrong with your gait, it could lead to injuries down that line, right? There's something called that kinetic chain. So if you have a problem with your foot, you have that kinetic chain. So that could lead to problems with your calf, with your knee, with your hips, lower back, all those things. So I'm sure the same thing could be said for our dogs as well. So I think it's super important to make sure that, like you said, those nails are done every four to six weeks. And and you don't let them get too long because then you're dealing with that vein growing and bleeding and discomfort for the dog. It's just, just a big mess. So I think that uh, that's a very good point. Appreciate all your insight into that. Uh, you also mentioned, you know, that wax stuff kind of hardens in the winter time and, and um, kind of adds a little bit of extra protection. What about dogs that have, right, that have a lot of fur and they have fur growing in between their pads and stuff like that too? How do we deal with that in the winter time? So what I recommend for dogs that get haircuts and continuously grow hair and a lot of hair between the paw pads, as frequently as you get nail trims, ask for the hair to also be trimmed underneath in the paw pads. If you see a grooming salon, your groomer's at a more of a private commercial grooming salon, not a corporate salon, it's likely they can use a blade shorter than a number 10. So if you were to walk in and say, could you shave my dog's paw pads in ideally a number 30, that will take it even shorter and it will last longer where you won't have to worry about frequently trimming that hair down. Also with that, even double-coated breeds like your Huskies, your German Shepherds, your Labs, even those breeds, even though they don't grow a substantial amount of hair on the paw pads, some have more than others. But in agility, I commonly see many dogs that get the paw pads shaved um, and because that will increase traction as well. And so you, you kind of mentioned double-coated dogs. You always see this time of year in the wintertime, people put up posts on social media and it's a picture of a dog and it says, you know, if you're cold, they're cold, bring them inside. But, you know, as, as dog owners know, especially like husky owners, those dogs are meant to be outside in the winter and they absolutely love it and need to have a hard time calling them in from a blizzard probably because yes. they're having the time of their lives. And I guess part of that reason is the way that um, they, they are they're designed, if you will, they have a double coat, right? So let's talk a little bit about, about the, the different coats of dogs and, and how to properly care for them, especially, you know, in the warmer months. Is it, is it a good idea to kind of trim those coats in the warmer months? Yeah, I, I don't see it as frequent, but I still hear about it here and there. Owners asking about whether or not they should take a double coated dog, even a dog like a golden retriever and shave it to keep it cool in the hotter months. I'll have some owners also asking about just shaving the belly, thinking it will keep them cooler in the warmer months. Shaving the dog entirely, shaving just the belly, none of it is good. It will in turn cause more problems. So prior to 
going through with something like that, I always let clients know about the risks that are involved. And um, generally what I tell them is that they have undercoat on a double coated breed. And what you want to do is bring them in for regular grooms. Ideally in the warmer months, you could do every six weeks, every seven, every eight weeks. It's owner preference, but what it does when they come in and we help remove that undercoat is it helps to keep their body temperature regulated. So if you think of a cooler, that styrofoam interior, if you were to pull that out, everything on the inside is no longer going to stay cool. It's going to get very warm. So it's like if you shave all that hair off, they don't have that insulation anymore to regulate their body temperature. Since dogs sweat through their, their paws, they're not sweating through their skin like we would. And just shaving them um, causes more harm than good. You'll run into a lot of itchiness. You might get skin irritation. It could lead to hot spots. Their coat will not grow back. Um, not the same, sometimes not at all. If it does, it's usually very coarse, wiry, patchy. And in the summer months, if you do shave a double-coated breed, it's recommended to use canine sunscreen or put a white t-shirt on them to deflect the UV rays um, so they do not get a sunburn as well. I don't know how you're feeling about this weather we've been having in January and into early February now. It's like plus three where I am in Shelburne and snow is melting and the ground is wet and it really sucks. And, you know, I saw rain in the forecast coming up in a few days. And if, if you're like me, I think, you know, it's one of the biggest grievances us dog owners have is in the wet rainy season it's a lot more work to take our dogs outside to go for their walks because of having to dry them off and towel them off and everything and it's even harder to get out for their runs and I know that my dogs don't care if it's raining or snowing or whatever they like to go out there and, and get their can across runs in I guess when you're adding a harness into the mix it can really kind of make a mess of the hair so what kind of suggestions would you have on dealing with with that type of scenario? So um, when it comes to wearing harnesses, especially a can across harness, um, once I really looked at it, it kind of hit me. It's like, wow, there's so many different straps here and a lot of um, points where it's rubbing on a dog. So if you have a dog that does grow hair, does require haircuts, um, it's important when you take that harness off after a run that you use the proper tools and you definitely want to go through your dog's coat and brush it out completely so that way you can avoid mats and tangles from happening. Um, when I say proper tools, you generally want to use a slicker brush and you would take that through the dog's coat first and you'd follow it up after that with a steel comb. Most steel combs have two different widths within the cone and you want to start with the widest end of the comb and then flip it over and switch to the finer end. And as long as that goes through the dog's coat, you know you're good, it's tangle-free, mat-free. And uh, I'd recommend doing that every single time you take that harness off. Can you describe the slicker brush for us? So slicker brushes, um, they come in a firm option and a soft option. I recommend for most owners, um, if they aren't super familiar with them, always start with a soft slicker brush. The firm ones are a little harder. They are usually within a square or rectangle shape. They have a handle and they are the ones that have the small steel pins on them. And uh, you can get them in all various shapes, sizes. 
in your experience, what's the most difficult coat type to work with? Uh, likely it would be um, very soft coats. Um, so a lot of mixed breeds, um, you don't know which way it's going to go. For example, doodles, um, sometimes they will have that dense, thick, um, curly coat. And then other times they will have um, more of say like a golden doodle, more of the golden retriever type where you end up having that undercoat um, that does shed slightly. And it's a softer texture. It's not wiry and coarse like a poodle. Um, those coats are definitely a little bit more um, difficult to maintain um, due to the, the texture of the coat, where they will get matted um, much easier if not maintained properly. And let me ask you this, if you had to pick the most important aspect as it would relate to can across and in terms of grooming, what would be the number one area to focus on? I would have to say for all breeds across the board, it would definitely be um, the, the paw health, um, the nail health. Um, that's something that I can't stress enough. It's, it's easy enough to um, bring a dog in that's matted from the harness and shave it and get those mats off in one session and you have a clean slate again. But um, nails, like we talked about earlier, if you, if you let that go and the quick grows with the nail, you can't all of a sudden just take them super short and start with a, a clean slate. Um, it's going to take time again to, to work them back. And um, that's overall, I think, um, the most important aspect to uh, focus on. And, and that makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, can crossing out there, whether you're, you're just starting out and you're running shorter distances or you're training your dog to, to run longer distances, you know, five, 10 kilometers and onwards, you know, their, their pads and, uh, can take a beating. And, and really, when we do talk about can across, ideally, you want to be somewhere where there's grass or on a trail system where you have dirt and grass and softer things. And, um, you know, it's, it's not always feasible to get out, especially if you do it a couple times a week with your dog, if that's kind of your main activity. Uh, sometimes you have to be out in the urban areas and you're, you're on the sidewalks and things like that. And, you know, it, it can, it can uh, roughen up their pads. So I think that that pad care and that paw care is, is paramount. I would certainly agree with you on that. Let's talk about relationships between clients and groomers. And, and as a groomer, let's look at it from a perspective of what makes a good client for you and what makes a client that might be a little bit more difficult. So, cause there, there's a relationship there. Like you have people just drop them off and say, okay, I completely trust you do whatever you want. Or, you know, I don't like the, I don't like the way you made my dog look after the appointment. Like how do we, how do we make sure that we don't run into, into issues? Okay. Um, so I think the biggest thing is um, making your policies known and having great customer service. That's what I really push at my salon. And what I always recommend to dog owners that are looking for a new groomer, um, whether you have a puppy or it's an older dog that's well-seasoned and grooming, always call the salon first. See if you can do a meet and greet. It's really important for the groomer to meet the dog first, meet the owner, you two can have a discussion. Um, the groomer can figure out what your wants and needs are, as well as what is best for the dog. If you're able to come in, you could maybe get a tour of the salon, see the facility, uh, where your dog is going to be for the next, you know, one to two, two and a half hours or so. And um, it develops a good, healthy relationship right from the start. So yeah, that's that's really important. I guess um, meeting meeting the client and meeting the dog too uh, is, is super important. You're not just going to have 
I guess you know, somebody walk in and be like, here's my dog and not know them because there's chemistry there too. Dog might not, not get along with you or not feel comfortable. So right. what would you do in those instances where you have a dog that is, is apprehensive or, or fearful? So it's very common. And I know a lot of owners, uh, it, it makes them very worrisome in the beginning. When a dog enters a grooming salon, um, I always say it's like going to the dentist. They know the smell as soon as you walk in. Um, they know they're in a different place. You're dealing with a new person, a new environment. If it's not, you know, if it's an older dog and it's not the same grooming salon, um, there's a lot of changes happening. So I always tell owners not to worry, not to stress. It is normal. They come in, they will sit there and shake. Um, very common. If the owner goes to leave it's common the dog wants to follow the owner out the door and I always say I wish I had a, a camera that I could show them because as soon as the owner walks out the door that dog comes in and walks in absolutely no problem like nothing happened it's like dropping kids off at daycare and when it comes to aggressive dogs or dogs that you know might have some temperament or behavioral issues it's always great to let your groomer know ahead of time it's it's not good to hide those types of things being upfront and honest um, will definitely um, get you further and you're going to do more good for your dog as well at the same time um, there are groomers out there that will take on um, dogs that are a little more reactive um, so myself I do I work with a lot of aggressive dogs um, and uh, I always let the owner know usually when they leave and they don't have their presence here I do see a lot of dogs that tend to settle down um, it's uh, something where I take my time with them um, I have to usually book extra time um, to be able to get through it but I, I always don't say write off your dog because, you know, they might be reactive or a little more aggressive. Talk to a groomer first, go to the salon, develop that relationship. Um, just be very upfront and honest. That's great. I think that that's really good advice. And, you know, just because you have a dog that's reactive doesn't mean you have to kind of keep them isolated from everybody else. If you have a groomer such as yourself, that's willing to kind of work through that and build that relationship with the client and the dog. I think that's really great. And, it's one of the things that I like to do uh, at our races too, is um, incorporate. I want every dog to be able to kind of come out to our events and experience them. And, you know, we, we were starting with, with our original races. Um, we would have yellow ribbon to tie on to their, the dog's kit or to the runner to let people know this dog needs extra space. It's a bit of a reactive dog. And, you know, I got some feedback from the client saying they didn't feel the ribbon was enough. So I went out and got yellow pennies. And at our last race, everybody with a reactive dog got a yellow penny to wear to put on the person, not on the dog. And yeah. that, that's just a signal, like, you know what, let's give these people some more space and then that dog can still kind of be comfortable and partake in the festivities. And uh, it's worked out really well. You know, just because you have a reactive dog doesn't mean your life has to be completely stressful. And I think let's face it, every dog has a certain level of reactivity built into them anyways, right? It's just their nature, yeah. I think, yeah. for the most part, right? So um, I wanna talk with you a little bit about Canacross yourself because uh, this is something new for you. From the first time I put the harness on um, Lucky 13, um, she's the one that I run with, my German Shepherd. Um, I think it's just being on the slap mill at home. She runs in a harness. She's hooked up at the harness. Um, she knows to pull and she can run at her own pace, her own speed. And I think that's made it a really um, great, fun transition to um, being in the harness and running with me. She still feels that 
that pressure of pulling and I'm the one holding her back slightly. Um, but then once we kind of take off and start running together, it's a uh, really great experience. I love it. It's great for a bond together. Um, we can get outdoors, spend a lot of time together. Um, and I'm really hoping that when I get out um, within the Niagara community that I'll come across other people in the sport as well. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, you being out there with your gear and, and running with Lucky 13, you know, somebody else might see you and think, hey, that's a cool harness. I got to look into that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because you're 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 new at the sport, you're definitely not new to dogs. You're not new to running and your your dog certainly isn't new to running because of the flat mill. Um, what advice would you give for your own personal experiences to to newer uh, can crossers that are listening to us right now? I would say don't be, you know, intimidated. Um, don't worry, stress, just go for it. You know, if you're thinking about ordering the gear like I was, I would say just go do it and um, get out there. If if you don't have the gear yet, you know, just get out there and run with your dog. And maybe, you know, you're able to attend some events in the meantime, meet some other people. It might give you the opportunity to try some gear on your your dog um i i definitely say just just go for it and um i don't think anyone would regret it and i don't think their dog would regret it yeah i love that advice just go for it and you know when i started uh running it was just with the leash and collar and then i kind of got down that rabbit hole as well and fell in love with the sport of canacross and here we are today you know for me i wasn't really sure about the equipment and the gear and there is an intimidation factor there because you see all these different options out there and it it very much is a bit of a personal preference so you know, there's there's no wrong way to do it. There's no real wrong can across gear out there. I mean, you don't want to be running in a harness that's designed to prevent pulling or anything like that because you can cause damage to your dog. But I mean, as long as you find something that's made for can across, go out and try it. And for myself, I went and bought like a hands-free leash system from Amazon for for cheap. And in the in the in the long run, you end up spending more money because that thing didn't last very long and it wasn't what I was ultimately looking for. So I ended up going out and getting my gear anyways, right? So had I just gone out and got the proper gear at the beginning, that would have been the end of the story because the stuff I've yeah. got now for the past two and a half years is my original stuff other than the bungee leash Piper chewed through once. But <laughs> that, that's been replaced and that was my fault. I left her unattended <laughs> uh, with the leash in the car. But anyways, um, beyond that, yeah, just go out and get the gear and try it. You're, you're in the Niagara area. Um, definitely encourage people to to reach out to their communities, their local communities, because our province is so big and we're so separated. If you can start your own little can across group or just find some friends who are interested in the sport, just get out there and do it together. And, and you know, experience and doing things is probably the best way to learn. Um, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about, before we go, about your experience running with Lucky 13. For myself, I always note that there's a lot of like unspoken communication with me and my dogs. They're always kind of checking back on me or, or knowing, if, you know, they know when I'm tired or I can tell when they're tired and they want to go home. Like, what's your, what's your experience been with Lucky 13? So, so far over the past few weeks, I would say um, it's overall, it's been a positive experience. Um, I have noticed uh, little things where, you know, she might get distracted. She sees another dog. If she sees another dog going the opposite direction on a path or up on the hills, she might slow down um, and try to stare a bit more. Um, she'll ease off her speed and I almost run into her a few times. Um, there are times when I know she's tired and she tends to slow her pace and she'll run beside me. 
Um, she's still getting used to um, running at more of a steady pace. Um, her slap mill, she would do full sprints, take a break, do more sprints. Um, now it's a very even steady pace. So um, we're working between five and eight K at a time. And uh, I'll notice she'll get good bursts of energy. Then she'll slow down again. Um, she's a little reactive with birds and squirrels and things. So we will work on that. Um, but uh, it's overall, it's been a really great experience. Yeah, those squirrels, they can be death trapped, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're working on that. My dogs are very good at ignoring other dogs now. And that's been, you know, big work in progress. The squirrels still get them, but I'm able to get them back on track a little bit sooner. And then, yeah, right. once, once spring comes and there's more birds around, there's this one house and they've got bird feeders and they throw like peanuts on the front lawn. So they've always got squirrels <laughs> and chipmunks and birds. And I don't know why I haven't stopped running by their house, but I always do. It's on our route and my dogs always go nuts there. So it's, <laughs> you know, it's their death in the face a few times. But I love to tell about the story. So <laughs> it's lots of fun. It's lots of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, listen, I want to, I want to thank you for your time, uh, for coming out here and sharing your expertise, um, in terms of dog grooming and how it can relate to can across. And I think, you know, I learned a lot. I hope people who are listening have learned something. I think they would for certain. Um, if people are in the Niagara area and looking for a dog groomer, or if they have any questions for you related to something that you, we talked about in the show, how can people get in touch with you? Um, it's always best to look us up on Instagram. It's underscore the canine cartel. Um, it's all spelled out um, as the full word. So not K and nine, but the word canine. Um, I can be emailed. It's my first name, Genevieve at the canine cartel dot org. Or they can text or call the business phone, which is 905-328-0559. I welcome at all times any questions, um, any concerns owners have, um, and they want to run it by me. I, I welcome it at all times. Oh, that's great. Really appreciate that. And are you on the Canadian Can Across Sports uh, Facebook page? I am, yes. All right. So, I mean, if you're on there, you, people can always like send you a message through that as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if you are listening, if you're in the Niagara area, uh, let us know. Put a post up at the Canadian Canada Cross Sports Facebook page and maybe, you know, we can connect to some people there and, and get a little group run going. Yeah. No, that'd be great. Yeah. All right, Genevieve. Well, thank you very much. And until next time, haul some tail. Thanks for having me. That's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to help support the show and help grow the sport of Canacross, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at Canadian Canacross Sports. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please email us at CanadianCanacrossSports at gmail.com or you can leave us a DM on Instagram. Talk to you next time. Haul some tail. <laughs>